You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilver. Susie Hunt. And we have a guest joining us today. It's not Dawn. <laughs> it's Josh. Hi. It's, Hi, Josh. It's been Hi. a while. It has been a while. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think, what was the last one? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> It is definitely Which the... means it's been too long. Was it the Fright Night remake? Oh, yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, so that was May. Man, yeah, it's been a long time. No, oh, May wow. was last week. <laughs> but I'm bumped. Yeah, it sure <laughs> feels like it. But uh, we are finishing up our month of Frankenstein features with episode 160, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So we're finally returning. Wait, to wait, horror. wait. I was thought we were doing Halloween Nuns. Oh, <laughs> we don't we don't hate ourselves enough yet for that one. Oh, OK. Go on. When, when we get back to movies we hate, I'm sure that'll come back <laughs> on the list. <laughs> but it's from uh, 1975. It's an hour and 40 minutes directed by Jim Sharman, who we would know from uh, the well, Shock Treatment, the sequel to this, The Night of the Prowler and Summer of Secrets. So let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this fine flick. Josh, as you are our guest, it's customary we start with you. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, you know, as I was saying before we started, uh, I love this movie so much that I didn't need to finish watching it because not only do I know the entire movie by heart, but I also know all of the audience participation. <laughs> uh, fun, fun little story for you. I, um, I saw this movie for the first time when I was way too young. Same. Uh, my sister showed it to me. And then the next year, I believe it was, I believe I was 12, uh, we convinced my mother to take us out to the Amherst Theater for my birthday. <laughs> awesome. Now, if you guys have ever been to a Midnight Rocky Horror showing, at the beginning of each showing, uh, they ask for any virgins, Rocky Horror virgins, to come forward if this is their first time seeing Rocky Horror in the theater. My mother turned me in. Oh, God. <laughs> My mother not only turned me in, but she stood up, pointed to me, and yelled, Him! He's never seen it in the theater, and it's his 12th birthday! <laughs> so oh, that's they, amazing. They singled me out alone on the stage uh, and had me bend over uh, as the entire <laughs> audience yelled, Fuck you! And then I could say I was fucked by an entire audience for my 12th birthday. <laughs> uh, so, to be fair, amazing. they then they did then uh, lead the audience in a, a round of happy birthday and gave me a Twinkie. <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. I, I have this distinct memory of like getting off of the stage somewhat scarred. <laughs> uh, and uh, the 
people playing Brad and Janet for the Shadow Cast came up to me and they were just like, "Happy birthday! You took that really well. Here's a Twinkie." I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "I still have the Twinkie to this day." <laughs> I mean, it, it's a Twinkie; it wouldn't go bad. Exactly. No, but, but Dawn can verify that for uh, almost ten, uh, almost fifteen years. I held on to a Twinkie that Ernie Hudson gave me. <laughs> I uh, mean, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> most most conventions, if you meet Ernie Hudson, I don't know if he still does, but at the time he was giving everyone a Twinkie that came to see him. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and I kept it for a long time. Uh, and I can tell you, by the time I got rid of it, you would not have wanted to eat it. <laughs> so they do go bad. <laughs> oh, it's nasty. That's funny. So I, I think it's yeah. safe to say you're a fan. <laughs> so yeah, I I love this movie. Uh, I have uh, I've seen it more times than I can count. I saw it on Broadway with Tom Hewitt during the revival. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, I also saw it with um, Meredith Vieira as the criminologist, Luke Perry as Brad, and um, uh, Anna Gasteyer as Columbia. Very so nice. it was it was a hell of a cast. Uh, and I have been part of Shadow Cast. So I I have no end of my love for Rocky Horror. Who do, who did you play when you got to be part of the Shadow Cast? I'm just curious. I would go back and forth between Frank and Riffraff. I and, was gonna say I could see you either play play at either of them. <laughs> and there was one really great night where there was a commu- uh, miscommunication. And two of us showed up as Frank. Mm-hmm. So the entire night was known as Feuding Franks. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Like, we would each, like, we would take turns doing each scene. And then about halfway through the scene, one of us would come barging in. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and like, or the other out of the scene and finish it off. That's so cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, there, there are a lot of a lot of Rocky Horror members I have <laughs> that I'm sure you'll hear a handful of throughout this podcast. Oh, indeed. Well, Maurice, we'll toss it over to you. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I hate this movie. <laughs> oh, come on! It's a musical. You can't hate it. It's garbage. <laughs> garbage. Wait, are are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it's garbage. What a waste of time. Oh, no, I like the movie. So he's pulling our leg. <laughs> I, was, I was really worried for a minute. Um, no, I, I enjoy this movie. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I, it's not one of those movies I generally watch like this time of year, so I don't think to put it on. So when I found out we were doing it, I was excited because it gave me a, another reason to watch it again. But I overall, I, I actually really do like this movie. Yeah, um, it's the casting's great. It's it's fun, you know, especially for this time. The music's great. Um, I like how, in my opinion, and I'm sure this you guys may may know more than I do, but when I see uh, Frank and Fritter, I see a combination of Freddie Mercury and the way he sounds, Vincent Price. I can kind of see, see that. that. Yeah. See, I. I always saw a combination, and I found out that I was partially right on this, but I always saw a combination of Freddie Mercury and Mick Jagger. 
from his okay. mouth movements. Yeah, I can see uh, Mick Jagger in there too. And apparently, while filming, uh, he hung out with Tim Curry. Had hung out with Mick Jagger a lot, and had like taken a lot of his mannerisms. So, oh, nice. Oh, nice. All right, so right. I'm just going by like how he sounded. Like he to me, he sounded like uh, Vincent Price when he ta- when he spoke. Yeah, but I definitely see uh, definitely see Freddie Mercury in the makeup and the and you know the way he acts and stuff. Yeah, yeah I can, I can see, see that. It. But yeah, no, I I like this movie a lot. Well, uh, Susie, what about you? What are your thoughts? I love this movie. I have loved this movie from the first time I saw it and. I was probably too young to see it at the time as well, but it's just, it's, it's great. The music is great. The acting is great. Shane hates this movie. He genuinely, he just doesn't like musicals in general, but I was watching it the other day and um, he was looking, he was consulting the bones and he was like, oh God, that is Susan Sarandon. Why did she do that to herself? (laughs) (laughs) But I, I love it. I think it's ridiculous. It's so over the top. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Fine family fun. <laughs> See, now I, I definitely agree with everybody on this. This is one of those movies that I absolutely adore. Um, it, it is a yearly watch for me. This is, this is a Halloween staple. I put it on every October. So it's one of those things that, like, I can sing along to every one of the songs. It's honestly my favorite soundtrack to any movie as well. I, I freaking love this soundtrack. And every Halloween playlist I have always has at least Time Warp, if not Science Fiction Double Feature, Time Warp, Eddie, and, you know, Sweet Transvestite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, now, um, if, now, here's back- a question for for all of you, actually. Mm-hmm. Did you guys watch the ver- the the cut with or without superheroes in it? I watched the one without. 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 Did you, yes, did you, you watch all it on, fail? Did you watch it on streaming or did you watch a copy of it? Streaming. Streaming. Uh, streaming. See, I think I I inadvertently watched the superheroes cut because I watched my copy, but I didn't mean to. So when it came on, I had a moment of like, oh, oh, I didn't know I was watching this once. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just pulled it up on freaking. Uh, um, is it on Hulu? Yeah, it's on Hulu right now. So I pulled it yeah, up. Yeah, Hulu. Hulu and Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I I absolutely love this movie. I definitely saw it way too young. Um, I was 11 when I first saw this, and uh, I very vividly remember because it was the first Halloween in my in my house uh, that my parents still live in. But when we moved to Third Avenue, um, I was home alone. I'm flicking through the channels, and I happened to turn on when they were doing the time warp. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. And I continued to watch this bizarre film. <laughs> and my 11-year-old mind was very confused at what I was seeing. Yep. But I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. And I remember telling my sister about it when she got home from work. And she was like, oh, that's the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I'm like, well, what's that? So we ended up renting it and watching it in its entirety. Even though, you know, I saw it pretty close to the beginning. Um, but after that, it was like, I wanted to watch it every year. It became like a Halloween staple for me. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll get into the cast here. Uh, so we have Dr. Frankenfurter, played by Tim Curry. Obviously, the man is a freaking legend, but, you know, we'll go through a couple of his films, including Legend. Uh, but he played Pennywise in the uh, the It TV series. Um, one of my favorite episodes of Tales from the Crypt, Death of Some Salesman, where he plays, like, three different roles, and it's freaking amazing. So good. Oh, it's, it, it really is. Um, Congo, which I find him hilarious in that. 
<laughs> the the way he says the treasure of Sol, he's like, it is the treasure of Solomon. Like it's just it's funny every time. Uh Home Alone 2, Scary Movie 2, Muppets Treasure Island. He's in a lot of stuff. Does a ton of voice acting as well. The worst witch. Yep, the worst witch. <laughs> Very the, Halloween-y. The grand oh, oh. wizard. You're talking about Hocus Pocus. <laughs> and he was in the not so great live for TV Rocky Horror. Oh, oh, I, I don't think I saw that. I don't one. think I saw that one either. It I, it had there were certain perf- songs and performances in it that were really good. As a whole, it was very meh. Um, God, I'm trying to think of who. Uh, he he was the criminologist. Okay. Oh, that's the one that came out a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Before okay. he had his stroke, right? No, 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 it was, no it was after, after, which is yeah. why he was criminologist. Okay. Yeah, no, I remember hearing about that, and I never got a chance to watch it. Um, oh, God, I forget the I forget the cast, but I remember reading about the cast and thinking that there, there was a pretty good cast for it, too. So I'm, I'm pulling, surprised. They... Pulling it up, ch- consulting the bones right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's one of those ones I always meant to watch, and I just never got around to. But uh, but, but no, Tim Curry is is a fucking legend. Yeah, it's, uh, Tim Tim Curry. Tim Curry is the criminologist. Uh, Adam Lambert is Eddie. Okay, uh, I can see that. Uh, Laverne Cox is Frank. That's okay. Yep, that's right. Oh yes, yes. And she was really good. Yeah. Uh, the the rest the rest are all like made for TV actors. <laughs> 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 but but they were all pretty like. They were all decent on their own, but as a whole, it, it just, you, you can't compare with the original unless you're seeing it live. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, I think some of the, like, anytime you have a remake, it's, it's always going to kind of pale in comparison to the original if you saw the original at a good time in your life. You know, yeah. if, if it's something like, you know, you saw a movie as an adult and then a few years later it's remade, you, you probably won't care as much. But if you saw something in your formative years, then when you go and watch the remake, it's going to be like, this doesn't compare, damn it. So. Yeah. But uh, but next we have uh, Janet Weiss, played by Susan Sarandon. Uh, we would know from The Hunger, The Witches of Eastwick, Thelma and Louise, James and the Giant Peach, and a ton of other things. Uh, Brad Majors, played by Barry Bostwick. Uh, Megaforce, which I find hilarious that he's in that. That movie is so bad. <laughs> um, the Hitchhiker, one of my favorite werewolf movies, Project Metal Beast. I know that'll never get on this show unless I pick a birthday pick for it, because I think it'll just be me and maybe maybe Omay voting for it. <laughs> I forgot that even existed. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. So it's so fucking 90s. I love it. Kane Hodder is a werewolf. Come on. It's awesome. But uh, Spy Hard, Law and Order and Supernatural. Then Riff Raff, played by Richard O'Brien, Flash Gordon, Shock Treatment, Spice World, Dark City, which I will get on here one of these days. Um, and Ooh, then off. I might have to use that as a pick. Oh, it's so good. I love Dark City. But he was also in that extremely awful early 2000s Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> uh, then we have Magenta, played by Patricia Quinn, uh, Hammer House of Horror, Shock Treatment, Doctor Who. Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, and most recently, The Lords of Salem. Columbia, played by Nell Campbell, Shock Treatment, Pink Floyd the Wall, and Great Expectations. Dr. Everett V. Scott, Jonathan Adams, he was in The Invisible Man, Star Cops, A Tale of Two Cities, and Two Evil Eyes. Rocky, played by Peter Hinwood, he was in Odyssea, uh, Tam Lin, and Sebastian. 
Who's then, like a apparently like a kindly old antique shop owner now. Yeah, I was reading about that. <laughs> it's like, all right, that's kind of funny. Um, then we have Eddie played by Meatloaf. Um, he was in he's in a lot of horror stuff. He's in monster uh, an episode of Monsters called Where's the Rest of Me? He was in Tales from the Crypt, What's Cooking, which is a great episode. He's in fucking Blood Rain. That movie's awful. He's dead now. He is. Um, Stage Fright, not the 80s one, but the 2014 Stage Fright, which I still really, it's another musical horror I would love to get on here. Um, A very disturbing episode of Masters of Horror. He was in Pelts. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. No. But, oh, no. It's fucking disturbing. It, it, it deals with people being skinned alive. So it's really creepy. Hmm. Um, and of course, we can't forget Fight Club. You know. Bob has bitch tits. <laughs> he does. In death, he has a name. His name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> you, I, I'll be honest. I was sitting here racking my brain going, what the fuck was the name? <laughs> I couldn't think of it. Uh, and then finally, we have the criminologist played by Charles Gray. He was in Shock Treatment, The Spy Who Loved Me, Theater of Blood, Diamonds Are Forever, and You Only Live Twice. So, pretty good cast. Like, a lot of a lot of people who uh, are in some of our favorite things. But um, for anyone listening to this that has no idea what we're talking about, who's been living under a rock, the basic plot is a newly, the newly engaged Brad and Janet's car breaks down on a dark and stormy night in an isolated area and must seek shelter in, a, in the bizarre residence of scientist Dr. Frankenfurter. So, and hijinks ensue. That's the only way to put it. <laughs> Many hijinks. Um, hijinks are sex. We open the movie with a floating mouth serenading us with the first of many catchy tunes, science fiction double feature. This rolls into the title card and the credits. Now, unfortunately, I have to apologize right off the bat. This episode is not going to have clips of all the songs uh, because we are finally on Spotify and I don't want to get taken off of Spotify again. So (laughs) it's like... (laughs) We're not going to have clips, but uh, feel free to put the soundtrack on on Spotify. It's there. <laughs> so, um, we then cut in on a wedding that Brad and Janet are attending. Janet, congratulations! Catches- <laughs> oh God, that guy! <laughs> <laughs> Janet catches the bouquet, and the groom teases Brad about he how he's the next one to get hitched, and. I love here how uh, you pr- pretty much got the entire cast of Frankenfurter's Castle just standing in the background looking creepy. Yep. Uh, and, and Ralph have shit. <laughs> Ralph have shit will travel not far. Uh, <laughs> being being the total creeper that he is with Brad being like, <laughs> I only took the class to pick up girls. <laughs> yeah, he's not fun. But the bride and groom drive off. Uh, Janet drops some heavy hints toward Brad that she would like to get married soon, which leads to our our second little ditty, damn it, Janet. And what the hell does that message on the side of the newlyweds car mean? Dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wait till tonight. She got hers. Now he'll get his. Means she's going to give it to him. See, I'll be honest. That made me think of that episode of Tales from the Crypt where the the chick gets married and then murders her husband. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we get the the Damn It Janet song, which leads to Brad proposing to Janet. Now we cut in on the narrator who, you know, is the criminologist. 
Um, and he tells us how Brad and Janet were on their way to meet their old professor turned friend, Dr. Everett B. Scott. We do a nice little dissolve cut. I miss these. We talked about this on Swamp Thing. I miss those old, like, dissolve cuts where the, the screen melts away. Mm-hmm. I believe we were calling it, also, it Swamp Wipes. <laughs> it also has one of the, the best audience participation moments in, in oh, second only to one in the entire movie where the criminologist mentions that it's true there were dark storm clouds, heavy, black, pendulous. <laughs> Which, at the beginning, right before he says heavy, black, pendulous, the uh, correct thing is uh, to either yell out, uh, describe Michael Jackson's balls, or describe Oprah's tits. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. So we do the dissolve cut to them driving down a winding road at night in the rain. And they keep getting passed by motorcycles, which we'll come back in a second. And but, they are they are listening to President Nixon's resignation speech, which is uh, completely not something that happened in a November. So it messes up the timeline already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They they come upon a dead-end road sign and uh, have to back up and end up blowing out a tire. Brad comments on how he knew he should have gotten... He, he goes, I knew I should have gotten that spare tire fixed. It's like, why why didn't you? And Janet totally rolls her eyes at it like, you asshole. Well, Brad is an asshole. <laughs> but he goes on to say that they passed the castle a while back and he's going to go up there and see if they have a phone he can use. Janet doesn't like the idea of waiting in the car alone, so she de- decides to come with him in spite of his insistence that she stay. They make because way- what if the owner? What if the owner of that telephone is a beautiful woman, and he might never come back? <laughs> and mean, the answer she's- is yes, he is, and <laughs> she should be so lucky. <laughs> I was going to say the answer is just yes. <laughs> But they make their way over to the castle and uh, pass by the enter at your own risk sign on the gate, which looks like someone took a piece of cardboard and just painted on it. Yep. (laughs) It's awesome. But we get our third musical number over at the Frankenstein place as they approach the castle. Which is missing a verse for the movie version. Oh, no shit. I didn't know that. Uh, Yeah, it's actually there's a version of the soundtrack that even has like the Barry Bostwick version of it uh but yeah no there's a full brad verse oh hmm. shit i didn't know i will i will send it to y'all yeah no I'd, I'd like to hear that but uh as they're walking up all the motorcycles that pass them go flying by them again toward the castle so the narrator pops up again and gives us an ominous warning about whether or not brad and janet found the help they truly needed we cut back to brad and janet at the castle as they ring the doorbell the door slowly opens, and we get my favorite character of the entire movie, Riff Raff the butler. <laughs> so he opens the door, he's like, hello. I, I love his voice. You're wet. <laughs> well, it's raining. Mm. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so they introduce themselves, explain their situation, and Riff Raff tells them to come inside and follow him. Brad and Janet find out there's a party happening. And, and Riff Raff tells him it's one of the master's affairs, that he they're lucky to be there. Janet comments, or I'm sorry, Janet comments, lucky us, and then he goes, yes. 
We get the introduction of Magenta the Maid, and uh, she yells, uh, he's lucky, I'm lucky, you're lucky, we're all lucky, and slides down the railing, cackling. The clock <laughs> That time... must have hurt. Right? <laughs> right in the coop. Rickety old banister. There, you know there's got splinters there. Not only that, <laughs> but there was the big old bulb at the end that she whacked into. <laughs> it's like that, oh, you done hurt yourself. <laughs> But the clock chimes midnight, and we get the most iconic musical number of the entire film, The Time Warp. Now, a couple things happen here. Riff Raff and Magenta sing chase Brad and Janet into the party. (laughs) Where Janet catches the vapors and keeps fainting. (laughs) We also meet Columbia in this scene, who I, I love, but her voice drives me nuts. Yeah, she's like... I kept hearing, oh, Mr. Bushnick, but yes. much like high, higher pitch and. That nasal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love how Brad and Janet slowly try to sneak out the door during the song <laughs> before it, like before it finishes. And then everyone just collapses to the floor and Janet's looking around. She's like, do something. And Brad goes, hey, any of you guys know how to Madison? <laughs> Brad is such a fucking idiot. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> so Janet begs Brad to leave, telling him how or telling him how she finds the whole place weird and just wants to go. They slowly back out into the hall as Brad assures her everything is fine. After all, they're probably just foreigners and have different ways from our own. <laughs> Maybe they'll do some more of their folksy dancing. <laughs> if you want to call it that. <laughs> right. As they slowly encroach. <laughs> and as, as they're talking, the, we see an elevator coming down behind them. Brad tells Janet there's nothing to be afraid of. She notices the elevator coming down, and then Frankenfurter turns around to face them, causing Janet to scream and faint once again. <laughs> She's never seen anyone that beautiful before. Right? <laughs> we then get the uh, our next musical number, Sweet Transvestite. During this uh, this little ditty, Frankenfurter tells Brad and Janet, as well as the audience, that he's been making a man. So we get our Frankenstein monster. He ends the song by inviting them up to the lab. With But he's making a man with blonde hair and a tan who's good for relieving his tension. tension. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I would be remiss if I did not point out something that, to this day, bugs the hell out of me. It's uh, or maybe a bite, and she licks her lips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't say lick, he says bite. <laughs> well. But she, clearly, she Columbia has no fucking clue what a bite is. So she's just like, <laughs> Who taught you how to kiss? <laughs> she, she went to the May School of Kissing. Yep. <laughs> Oh, so they they arrive up in the lab. Oh, I'm sorry. Before that, uh, when the song ends, Riff Raff and Magenta and Columbia strip Brad and Janet down to their undies and rush them up to the lab. So they arrive in the lab to find Frankenfurter and all the party goers waiting for them. Brad introduces him and Janet. And I, I love how he gets Janet's last name wrong. He's like, Janet Weiss. And she's like, Weiss. <laughs> and it's like, dude, that's your fiance. That's fucking hilarious. But... Frankenfurter comments on their underwear and gives them some clothes to cover up. Clothes. Brad, he gives yeah. them like a man's, like a men's shirt that you would wear like 
waking up the next morning after a one night stand to like <laughs> go to the bathroom and make eggs and toast. Well, come on, Frankenfurter still wanted access. That's true. <laughs> Didn't want to give them pants. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he comments on their underwear, gives them the, the shirts, and then Brad gets all pissed off talking about how he just wanted to use the phone. A reasonable request that so far they've ignored. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Frankenfurter tells Brad what a perfect specimen of manhood he is. So course... <laughs> Is he, though? <laughs> I know, right? So, uh, you know, Brad, uh, he goes, Frankenfurter tells Brad what a perfect specimen of manhood he is. So forceful and dominant. And I love how Brad gets all self-conscious and covers himself up. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I don't know. This man is making me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Which I, I, you know, I, I must have missed it a little bit with, with having to dip out with, yay, Wi-Fi. Uh, but my second, my absolute favorite uh, audience participation moment, because it's so ridiculous and random. Mm. And y'all know how I like ridiculous and random. Yep. <laughs> is Frankenfurter telling them, it's so unoffen we receive visitors here, let alone offer them. And then the audience participation is to, over top of him, say, horse brutality. <laughs> and then have Brad respond with, horse brutality? <laughs> that's amazing. That's the entire thing. It's just the exchange, changing the way he says, Hospitality <laughs> to horse brutality. That is, is that amazing. Like a, is that like a donkey show? Oh no! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it Kelly and the Sexy Stud? That's a different <laughs> kind of brutality altogether. <laughs> That's called butthole brutality. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So Riff Raff tells Frankenfurter they're ready, just awaiting his word. Frankenfurter gives his little speech to all his partygoers that he's discovered the secret of creating life, and tonight is the night that his creature is destined to be born. Magenta and Columbia unveil a tank of water with a mummy inside. Riff it's Raff really, it's just hiding a living sex doll. Pretty much. <laughs> Riff Raff gets a machine up and running, Frank, uh, up and running to Frankenfurter's specifications, and they bring down this, like, I, I don't even know what to call it. It's got, like, several nozzles on it. And he just starts unleashing different colored water into the tank. Yep. <laughs> and he's making Kool-Aid. And right. And apparently the reason that that Tim Curry looks so hurried here is off screen, the director was just yelling random colors at him. So he had no idea which color was gonna be yelled next. So like his frantic like moving from knob to knob is actually him trying to keep up with what the director was yelling. So it, <laughs> it gives that weird yeah, it gives that weird panic look. But they finish, the creation stands up out of the tank, and Riff Raff pulls the wrappings away from his face to reveal Rocky, this version's uh, monster. Who looks like Flash Gordon. Shane's like, is that Flash Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> he kind of does. But this immediately launches into our next musical number, Sword of Damocles, as Frankenfurter chases him around the lab like an excited schoolgirl. I fucking love Tim Curry so much. Yeah, And it's clearly not lip-synced at all. No, not at all. <laughs> but like this, this scene is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. The way Tim Curry is just like squealing and running around the room, throwing guests out of his way. It's so fucking funny. But after everything calms down and Frankenfurter admires his creation, telling him what a beauty he is, 
Riffraff comments, he's a credit to your genius, Master. Magenta says, a triumph of your will. And Columbia goes, he's okay. <laughs> Which pisses off Frankenverter. He takes Rocky over to Brad and Janet to ask their opinion. And Janet tells him she doesn't like a man with too many muscles. Which, of course, makes Brad smile. <laughs> and then he goes, <laughs> Frankenverter goes, well, I didn't make him for you. And uh, he gets, you know, Frankenfurter tells him he carries the Charles Atlas seal of approval, which leads to our next song, I Can Make You a Man. As Rocky In gets... just seven days, <laughs> I can make you a man. Yup. <laughs> which was a song apparently based off of uh, Richard O'Brien having seen one of the uh, muscle building ads in a magazine. Oh. I mean, it makes sense because it, it's the whole like, you too can have the body of a Charles Atlas. You know, one of yep, those types that's of things. Exactly what it was. Yep. And then during this, they, they kind of oil up Rocky and force him to work out. Then suddenly a freezer chamber bursts open and frozen meatloaf or rather Eddie rides out on his motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> and we get our next musical number, Hot Patootie Bless My Soul. Uh, we you see know, here. I will say. For the amount of times I have seen this movie, mm -hmm. it wasn't until today that I noticed that there was a wine rack in the freezer. I, ah. I never noticed that. Uh, like, it was one of the shots, I think it was when Riff Raff and Magenta went in and started dancing in the, in the freezer. Mm -hmm. Off to one side, there is clearly a wine rack, and I was just like, holy shit. Is That's that fun. a wine freezer? What the fuck? <laughs> they were making wine slushies. Which, <laughs> Which makes mean, everything about that wine, like that freezer, even more confusing. I mean, truth be told, it was probably like the freezer in Return of the Living Dead, where they're like, hey, we need a freezer. Uh, this room will do. Just spray it with white foam, and we'll call it a freezer. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Return of the Living Dead, we have the wood-paneled freezer with a carpet. <laughs> like, so. what? Why did they lock him in the freezer with his motorcycle? <laughs> right. Uh, I feel like they just used the uh, the transducer on him and you know turned him into a statue and then froze him. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> but we see during this song that Columbia uh, is she the reason she wasn't so gaga for Rocky. She clearly likes dad bods, <laughs> and she's smitten with Eddie. Yep. Frankenfurter. Uh, uh, Frankenfurter locks up Rocky in the elevator and gets a pickaxe. He then chases Eddie back into the freezer and kills him as Columbia screams. He lets Rocky out and tells him not to be upset that Eddie had a certain naive charm, but no muscle. To which Rocky responds by flexing. And, we <laughs> and Frank squeals. <laughs> and we return to I Can Make You a Man. I, I love how at the end of this, Janet just excitedly pipes up and screams, I'm a muscle fan. Yeah, <laughs> Brad looks at her like, "How dare you?" <laughs> she's oh. seen she's seen a muscle that she likes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, she she so likes. So see it again. Yeah, I was gonna say she likes it plenty. But uh, the song ends with Rocky and Frankenfurter heading to bed. This oh, is... I love it because Frankenfurter jumps into his arms and it's like he carries him into the bedchamber. <laughs> yeah. Like cross oh. the threshold on the wedding night. Frank and Rocky, rah, rah, rah. Frank and Rocky, rah, rah, rah. Tim Curry is just a fucking legend. He really is. <laughs> He's an international treasure. Mm-hmm. 
so this is pretty much where Act One ends. What are you guys thinking at this point? Love it. Oh yeah, yeah no, it, at this. Yeah, at this point, like if you're not all in, mm-hmm. then then you've turned it off already. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like this pretty much sets the entire tone for the film. So it's like if if you if you didn't like what you saw here, turn it off. <laughs> you know, but. I don't know. I I love this. I pretty like I said, pretty much every song from this movie is permanently burned into my memory. Um, you know, it's like I can't do math, but I can sure sing "Hot Patootie, Bless My Soul." <laughs> and uh, Meatloaf, I gotta say, Meatloaf reminds me of that fucking Cro-Mag Lou from Prom Night. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he totally looks um, like Lou. Potato head. <laughs> the guy looks oh. like a potato. My God, dude, when we saw that at Terrors, like, you damn near made me, like, guffaw throughout the entire crowd. Because you just looked at me and you went, he looks like a fucking potato. And I fucking lost it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But he but does. He really does. I Yeah, <laughs> that guy. And, and it's funny because I've watched it since we saw it at Terrors. And I every time he's on the screen, I start giggling because it's so he's so stupid looking. Oh, that poor guy. <laughs> it was very unfortunate. But uh, we open up act two with the narrator telling us how Brad and Janet were left feeling uneasy as the guests all departed from the party and they were shown to their separate rooms. We see Janet being brought to her room, watched on a monitor by Riff Raff and Magenta. So they're peeping. And then Brad is shown to his room and looking, you know, he looks equally nervous. Later, Brad sneaks into Janet's room for a bit of the old hibbity-dibbity, only surprise, (laughs) it's not Brad, it's Frankenfurter. (laughs) It's Pennywise. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm gonna (laughs) honk my nose. (laughs) I'll show you what floats down here. Beep, beep, (laughs) Janet. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. At first, she yells at him and tries to make him stop. And she was like, I was saving myself. And then she's just like, eh, fuck it. Don't tell Brad. And just goes for it. <laughs> we cut to Riff Raff and Magenta cleaning up the lab. And Riff Raff decides he's going to fuck with Rocky, who's sleeping, chained to the bed. Riff Raff gets a candelabra and starts scaring Rocky with fire. Because, you know, Frankenstein. Fire bad. Yeah. I, I just love how not scary it is. How he's just, like, walking towards him with a candelabra going, like, Ah. <laughs> and Rocky's like <laughs> this leads to Rocky breaking breaking the bed to escape and he climbs down the elevator shaft while Riff Raff throws candles at him <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up how he's just like yeah just like chucks a candle but after Rocky escapes, Riff Raff and Magenta start... Riff Raff starts giving Magenta a hickey, because why not? Which is fucked up, because we'll find out later, but... Yeah, I just... That's a real bizarre relationship they have. <laughs> yeah. But they are from transsexual Transylvania, so... This is true. They're, 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 they're foreigners, and their customs are different than ours. <laughs> it's part of their folk dancing. Right. <laughs> We cut to Brad's room. Janet comes running in scared, and Brad welcomes her into his bed, telling her that everything will be okay. They'll be away from there in the morning. But, oh no, it's not Janet. It's old Tricky Frankenfurter again. Tricky dick. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it because Brad protests even less. He's just like, 
Like, oh, no, I would never. Ah, just don't tell Janet. <laughs> <laughs> and then while this is happening, Riff Raff pops up on the monitor to tell, uh, tell the doctor that Rocky has escaped and is loose in the grounds. And Magenta has just released the hounds, which, of course, made me think of, you know, Mr. Burns. <laughs> I thought you were going to say release the Kraken. <laughs> release the hounds. To which Frank responds, coming! And, and the, the proper response is, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because he goes right back to filleting Brad. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we cut to Janet freaked out and crying, wandering around the castle looking for anyone. We also see Rocky running through the grounds, terrified being chased by dogs. Also, that tear on Janet's face looks like jizz. <laughs> I mean, I, I, she did just finish with Frank. I, yep. I was to say, you know. <laughs> was I she fe- keeping a trophy? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> she was going to get a tattooed later on. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't kill anyone. Here, here trace this jizz line. <laughs> I haven't washed my face in three weeks. Oh, oh, oh. oh it's all crusty. And green like a booger. Oh, ew. <laughs> well, I, just, I mean. I just grossed is, myself out. He is from another <laughs> planet. Shmanet, <laughs> oh, Janet. <laughs> I jizz on you. <laughs> this is what I do. I jizz on you. Jizz on you. Jizz on you. Oh, God. Is that a new DMX song? (laughs) Y'all gonna make me jizz your mind up in here, up in here. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Or jizz your eyes, I guess. (laughs) Oh, I'm thinking of that that scene in Shallow Hell where he puts all the Vaseline on his eyes. (laughs) When he he answers the door, oh. (laughs) That wasn't Vaseline. (laughs) (laughs) And why why the fuck is Janet so upset and crying? Oh, we, wait, we haven't said it yet, how she sees them on the monitor yeah, smoking a cigarette in bed. That's the thing. She's crying as she wanders around the, the, like, the lab. And it's like, is she crying because she cheated on Brad? Like, why is she crying? Because she's like, just going on and on. And then she turns on the monitor and she sees Brad sitting on the corner of his bed smoking a cigarette while Frankenfurter lays in bed looking satisfied. And she's immediately like, oh, how could you? And I'm like, you just you... did the same thing, bitch. <laughs> I was like, didn't you just fuck the same guy? <laughs> you got you got his DNA on your eye. <laughs> exactly. On your face. On your face. You, you got He's... the old Frank Furter in your face. Yeah. You got Frank's Furter. <laughs> his spider dog. No, no, spider Even dog. Furterize. <laughs> But she hears Rocky groaning, terrified, and she finds him in the tank where he was born. Janet begins to clean his wounds and looks smitten with Rocky. We get our next musical number, Touch a Touch a Touch Me. Oh, how soon she forgets about being sad. Right? And I I love how Magenta and Columbia are just, like, watching on the monitor all excitedly. Like, and Columbia's paint... She's painting Magenta's toes. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Anytime there's a foot moment in any film, I'm like, sorry, Susie. <laughs> you know what? This this one doesn't bother me. And I think it's just because of the movie it is it's in. Yeah. Oh so Susie, is it, did you watch the last episode of uh Oh my god, I was gonna throw House, off Game of or House yes. of the Dragon? 
I was going to throw up. <laughs> and then the very end of that scene, I was like, <laughs> as if he could not be any more disgusting and slimy. I know, right? Was there you know, some he, kind of foot fondling? Not foot fondling. <laughs> Dear listeners, if you if you have not watched the episode of House of the Dragon that aired on the 16th of October. The ninth episode. The ninth episode, yes. The, the second to last episode of the season. Skip 30 seconds ahead. So the queen has this little lackey and she's sitting on this, like this chair and she takes her shoes off and you see her stocking feet, which at first I thought she had a sweet ass tattoo and he's giving her information. And then she takes her stockings off and puts her bare feet on the table and he keeps telling her. And then she turns to the side. It's like a chaise lounge. She turns to the side and then he starts whacking off, looking at her legs, like feet to the knees. And this is the fucking queen. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's disturbing. Yeah. And he walks with a cane and he oh, he's like a slimy little rat person. How yeah. very how very Tarantino of him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Now that we've I really was going to be sick, though. <laughs> Anywho, back to Janet. Damn it. <laughs> Her uh, getting uh, touchy, touchy, touched by Rocky. But uh, Frankenfurter, Riffraff, and Brad come up to the lab. Frankenfurter is beating Riffraff while <laughs> yelling at him that he was supposed to be watching Rocky. And uh, Riffraff checks the monitor and sees Dr. Everett Scott outside the castle. Although, How did he get there? I, no I did forget. I did forget to mention that there is yet another completely cut song um, immediately after Touch or Touch or Touch Me, which is Brad's song, Once in a While. Oh. See, I need to see this uncut version. Yeah. Uh, that that version was never added into the movie at all. Oh, okay. Uh, there, like, there's a recording of Barry Boswick doing it, which just isn't very great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is continually part of the stage show. Okay. I will send nice. that to you as well. One of these days, I would love to see the stage show, but yeah. uh, never had the chance. So how the hell did Dr. Scott get there? There's no accessible transportation <laughs> behind him. Did he just like roll up there in the rain? Did he, he have did. like some some husky dogs where he was like, yeah, yeah. It's mostly downhill. So he was just rolling in his little wheelchair. Or was it like a rickshaw? <laughs> That's the part we didn't see. <laughs> he had someone just pulling him along with a little umbrella. But, so, I, I love this, though, because when he when they see him on the screen, Brad gets all excited. He's like, hey, Scotty. And then Riff Raff looks at him and goes, you know this earthling? And Frankfurter smacks him. And Riff Raff goes, this person. <laughs> I love how his, his tone never changes. But Brad tells him he's an old friend, and Frankenfurter gets pissed, accusing Brad of setting this whole thing up, telling Brad that Everett is not unknown to him, that he works for the government, particularly the Bureau of Investigation, and more particularly, for UFOs. <laughs> Riff Raff announces that the intruder is entering the building. Cut to Dr. Scott in the Zen room, poking around. This scene... Holding a giant roach. Like the... Yeah. A joint roach. <laughs> yep. This scene 
every time I watch it, I laugh. Because Frankenfurter turns on a huge electromagnet and we get this wonderfully ridiculous sped up footage of Dr. Scott being pulled through the castle. Upstairs, downstairs. <laughs> and then he crashes through a wall. Right. But I love it because he goes in Magenta and Columbia's room, just kind of goes around them. And they just look at him like, eh. nah. <laughs> And then he smashes through the wall, causing Brad to yell, Great Scott! And Q throwing the toilet paper. <laughs> and eventually he hits the magnet next to Frankenfurter, who says, we meet at last. <laughs> Frankenfurter is convinced that Scott said Bra- sent Brad and Janet ahead to get the lay of the land before he arrived. Scott tells him that he had no clue that Brad was there, and he came looking for Eddie, who he reveals to be his nephew. <laughs> I love I love Dr. Scott's weird change of voice where he's just like, Frankenfurter, we meet at last. Brad, what are you doing here? (laughs) You're not wrong at all. (laughs) But I love it because we hear a gasp from the nearby tank and Frankenfurter finds Rocky and Janet in a state of undress. And now we get that wonderfully absurd scene where Brad yells Janet, she yells Brad. Dr. Scott yells Janet, she yells Dr. Scott. And Frankenfurter yells Rocky, who just looks at him. And, we- and the audience yells, Bowinkle. <laughs> <laughs> but, and of course, it follows the comedy rule of threes, because we do that exact exchange three times. <laughs> and then Frankenfurter threatens Rocky, saying that he built him and he can easily take him apart. In comes Magenta, banging a gong and announcing dinner. <laughs> Frankenfurter tells everyone that due to the circumstances, formal dress will be optional, and he looks at Janet with disgust. <laughs> oh, and this is where Act Two ends. So, what are you guys thinking at this point? Still love it. Yep. I think I'm like hungry so for great. meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> but that dinner, like that's all it is, is meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a loaf of meat. <laughs> I thought. I always forget that, like, the reveal that Eddie's in the table, in the mm-hmm. coffin table. And I'm like, that is, like, a really fucking disgusting-looking ham. Or is that, like, a big, like, is it, like, a rhinoceros <laughs> leg? Or <laughs> It looks like it's, like, part of a turkey. <laughs> like, yes. Not a full turkey, but part of a turkey. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think at this point, the the movie is is just, it's all over the place. Like, it's... There's nothing you can really compare it to. It's so fucking wacky. You know, every time I watch it, it feels like the tone shifts like three or four times throughout Act Two. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, there, there are things that just make zero sense in the best way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we, we start Act Three by uh, cutting back to the criminologist, the narrator, commenting on how, on the importance of food and what it plays in life's rituals, and this is no exception. So we cut to the dinner party. Frankenfurter carves up slices of what we think is some kind of turkey, and he just slaps the meat on the plates. Yep. I, love, I love the way the meat is served. It's just riffraff throwing slices at the plates, literally. <laughs> yeah. And then he just haphazardly pours the wine, like, some is in the glass, most of it's on the table. Like, just pouring it around. And I love how all of them have a different type of, of drinking implement. 
Some are wine glasses, some are goblets, a few are coffee mugs. (laughs) (laughs) And they just, you know, begin eating. And there's a bunch of fun little details here, like how Frankenfurter keeps making vague threats with the turkey carver. (laughs) Like, he keeps, like, pointing it at different people and buzzing it. (laughs) And how Rocky just grabs the food and starts mowing down, and then Columbia kicks him and gestures to the fork. So he grabs the fork, stabs it, and continues eating it the same way he was. Yep. <laughs> but Dr. Scott mentions how he's there to discuss Eddie. And Frankenfurter tells him, that's a very tender subject. And then goes, another slice, anyone? And everyone realizes they're dining on Eddie. Columbia Except looks- for Rocky. <laughs> Who doesn't care? <laughs> Columbia looks disgusted and excuses herself from the table, leaves the room, and begins crying. And yeah, Rocky just keeps on eating. Scott breaks the fourth wall, looks at us, saying, I knew he was in it with a bad crowd, but it was worse than I imagined. Aliens! And I immediately think of that dude from Ancients and Aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Georgios? Yeah, aliens. (laughs) Aliens. But... Brad and Janet are shocked. <clears throat> Brad and Janet are shocked, and Frankenfurter tells him to go on. He also calls uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Scott Doctor Von Scott here, which I don't get. Yeah, like it doesn't really have any any uh, you know play on the rest of the movie. Uh, it it doesn't, but I can I I don't know how or where I know this from, but the. Uh, the backstory of Dr. Scott is that he is a defected German scientist. Which I kind of figured. Uh, which is which is why part of the audience participation, like, whenever Dr. Scott says something, is to yell, Zig Heil, fucking Nazi crip. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that part. <laughs> But and this, gives the the Zig Heil. I one of these days I have to actually go to a to a screening. I've never been to a screening. Neither have but I. But like, but yeah, no. It just just in the movie itself, like there there's even a point where Scott point blank gives the Zig Heil salute, and then That's sort true. of pulls his arm down. Uh, and it's it's to hint that Von Scott is. Frankenfurter thinking he's exposing Dr. Scott as a former Nazi. Gotcha. That I kind of got the impression from him, like with the accent and yeah, the, the whole Zig Heil thing, like that there was, that's what they were hinting at, but it just, it's, it kind of falls flat where he's like, or should I say Von Scott? And they, that's where they just kind of leave it there. That's, that's way, that's why Brad is like, the, has, is the only one that has that Dr. Scott. Yeah. That's right, Brad. <laughs> like it's it's okay, Brad. It's <laughs> it's true. I'm a Nazi. <laughs> exactly. But this leads to our next musical number, Eddie, where we get a little backstory about Eddie and how he was a no good punk. We uh we also see that he had sent a note to the doctor, which reads, "I'm out of my head. Oh, hurry, or I may be dead. They mustn't carry out their evil deeds," which is why. Yeah! <laughs> which is why Dr. Scott is there. The song ends. Frankenfurter gets up, pulls the tablecloth off the table, revealing Eddie's mangled corpse under the glass, which every time I watch 31, I think of this scene. Because they, you know, that in 31, they do the same thing. But uh, 
Janet screams and runs into the arms of Rocky, which pisses off Frankenfurter, who smacks Janet and chases after her. For some reason, Brad takes off his glasses here and then squints like he has no idea where he's going. But he starts pushing <laughs> the dock in the wheelchair, listening to his directions on which way to go. Why the fuck did he, he take off? He was trying to be Zalma. Right. Like, why did he take his glasses off? I don't get it. Who knows? <laughs> I also love how Magenta starts cracking up and Riff, Riff just looks at her and goes, shut up. <laughs> but this, of course, leads to our next musical number, Planet Schmanet Janet. As Which, fr- you know, halfway through the song, they there goes the movie's PG-13 rating when Frank drops the F-bomb. Indeed. <laughs> But I, I do like how he's just, like, chasing after her, and she's screaming like a lunatic. But they, uh... No, I'm pretty sure you can, you can drop the F-bomb once or twice and for, still be PG-13. In Not the, in the 70s, I don't think. No, actually, in the 70s and 80s, I'm pretty sure you had one F-bomb you were allowed. Oh. Um, Because there was a couple PG-13 movies that have an F-bomb in it. Uh, but if if it's, like... I am surprised because there is some some nipple slippage in this movie. Well, my 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 joke was more along the lines of the fact that, like, yeah, it just it's the fuck that caused this movie to not be rated R. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, we get we get our little chase up to the lab, and Brad and Doctor Scott head up in the elevator. Once they're all in the lab, Frankenfurter flips a switch on his sonic transducer device. And freezes them all to the spot they're standing in. The doctor mentions uh, mentions about the sonic transducer is capable of breaking down solid matter and projecting it through time and space. So basically a teleportation device. Magenta throws a switch on the machine and one by one turns Brad, Dr. Scott, and Janet to stone. Naked stone. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, freaking Columbia pipes up, you know, kind of... Com- complaining about um frankenfurter telling him how she loved him and then he cast her aside and uh, for eddie and then he cast eddie aside for rocky and he just uses people in emotion or uses people emotionally and then spits them out and while she's going on did you guys notice how she tugs her shirt down her nipple pops out the little hole in her shirt yep oh yes (laughs) (laughs) she then insults rocky saying that he's named for the rocks in his head and frankenfurter Nods to Magenta, and she turns Columbia to stone. Frank Which, Frank- because because now I feel the need to to interject with some of the better audience participations, uh, which is preluded by, oh shit, what a bitch! Quick, Magenta, throw the switch. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to see this in a crowd. This sounds amazing. Oh man, it is. It really is. <laughs> I just don't want to get spanked in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I will be making sure to go with people that don't know I'm a Rocky Horror Virgin. <laughs> but uh, so I love how Frankenfurter looks at the screen here, like, again, breaking the fourth wall. He's like, it's not easy having a good time <laughs> that he has Rocky turned to stone. Magenta tells him that she tires of this world and wants to return to Transylvania. Frankenfurter assures her that in due time they'll all return and that her her and her brother's servitude will be rewarded greatly. <laughs> I love it how she goes. And, oh, good. Uh, and did you guys catch the 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 heavy uh, reasoning as to why Eddie's forehead is cut open? Oh, in yeah. In this little speech of 
Do you think I made a mistake splitting his brain between the two of them? Right. So yeah, he he took half of of Eddie's brain and gave it to Rocky. So which yeah explains why Rocky's so dumb. But uh, yeah, I love it here because Magenta goes, "I asked for nothing," and he's like, "And you shall have it in abundance." (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing, this is where we reveal that Magenta and Riff Raff are brother and sister. And you're like, yeah, because it's like, wait a second, you were giving her a hickey earlier in the movie. That's not okay. Maybe he was cleaning her like, or maybe (laughs) he was cleaning her like she's a kitten. (laughs) <laughs> that was the last movie where he calls you a kitten that's true <laughs> but uh yeah so frankenfurter gets in the elevator and tells magenta and riffraff that they're ready for the floor show and leaves <laughs> i love this we cut to frankenfurter dressing up all the statues on stage and he's like all hurried and has like face makeup half on and he's just like oh, oh just like running around throwing feather boas on people and what of the floor show in an empty house in the middle of the night? From what had gone on before, it was clear that this was to be no picnic. <laughs> <laughs> you do know all the lines. <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's like me with my fair lady. Nice. I think everybody uh, has that one movie that they can quote. I have too many of them. I mean, I have pretty much most of the Kevin Smith films. I can quote a lot of the jokes, but not, you know, word for word. Um, Sadly, I can quote about the first hour of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. (laughs) (laughs) I watched it so much as a kid. It's just burned forever into my memory. Yep. (laughs) So we get our, uh, he, he, Finishes dressing up the statues on stage. They all kind of look like Frankenfurter did when he did his first musical number. And uh, pulls back the curtain, turns on the lights, and then one by one animates the statues. And we have our next musical number, which is Rose Tint My World. And the whole thing is, uh, the whole song is about how Frank's lust changed their worldview. <laughs> and I love it. The, the entire time here, Columbia's nipples are just on display. <laughs> They're just like yep. popping out. Yep. Which is why the song is also affectionately known as Rose Tit My World. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So this whole thing leads to the group making out with each other and Frankenfurter in a pool that's on the stage. Dr. Scott gets revived and tries to fight the allure of Frankenfurter, but raises a fishnet clad leg and begins rubbing himself. Because he can't swim and join in on the dry humping water orgy. (laughs) Right. My my favorite part about that is the fact that somehow, somehow the transducer has not only allowed Frank to put the fishnets on Dr. Scott, who was frozen in stone with a blanket over his lap, right. but then given Dr. Scott the sudden ability to move his legs. Yep. Which imaginary puppet used about. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing because he's rolling around like kicking his heels together, and <laughs> like he's he's getting happy. But see, you know, I think that the the real uh, the real joke here is that Frankenfurter didn't dress him up. I think Doctor Scott was just rocking heels and fishnets the whole time. Don't kink shame. No, I, I'm just saying. 
that that thought has crossed my mind. I just love how confused he is by the ability to, for his legs to move. Right. Because <laughs> his face the entire time is just like, how the fuck are these moving? <laughs> yeah, because, well, that's the thing. The musical number continues and Scott joins them on stage with that look that you're talking, as he's clicking his heels together and rubbing his, rubbing his thighs. I thought you were going to say rubbing his nipples. <laughs> no, that, again, that was the last movie. <laughs> Do you have any ice? It's hella hot in here. Do you have any ice I can rub on my nipples? <laughs> that scene is fucking hilarious. But the whole the whole thing culminates with Riff Raff and Magenta coming into the room in crazy space outfits with a pitchfork ray gun. Riff Raff uh, has his weird hair in a banana hairdo. Yeah, it's like, a little it's a little Pebbles Flintstone. That's what I was. Yeah, I was gonna say it reminded me of Pebbles haircut. <laughs> and Magenta has Bride of Frankenstein going on. Yep. But, I love that. Oh, but I know. You know, you know I do. Oh, of course. <laughs> and Riff Raff tells them it's over, that he's the new commander and Frankenfurter is now his prisoner, that they're returning to Transylvania. He tells Magenta to prepare the transit beam, which none of this makes sense. We'll we'll get to that, though. But also, it, it this is, again, just just for funsies here. The audience participation line is Frankenfurter, it's all over. I'm your new commander. Uh, I just did my sister. You can smell my finger. We return to Transylvania. Prepare the transit beam. <laughs> yeah. So That's as he points, it's, you know, I just did my sister. You can smell my finger. <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking amazing. <laughs> But Frankenfurter asks for a chance to explain, and we get another musical number of I'm Going Home. And we see what Frank sees. All the others vanish, and we see the theater filled with a crowd appreciating his song and cheering him on. Magenta and Riff Raff snap him back to reality, telling him that he's not coming with them, that he's to stay here in spirit anyway, and they point the ray gun at him. And I love how Brad is like, what's his crime? And I'm like, Really, dude? You watched him kill a man, make another man, and force you into cannibalism. What do you mean, what is his crime? But he's got but... that good dick, you see? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so suddenly Columbia screams and Riff Raff zaps her, killing her. Frank tries to escape by climbing the curtains, but Riff Raff shoots him, causing him to fall dead to the floor. Rocky mourns over his creator, picks him up, and tries to escape. Riff Raff repeatedly tries to shoot Rocky, but the lasers just bounce off of him. Rocky carries Frankenfurter's body over to the radio tower, attempts to climb it, all the while getting shot by Riff Raff. Like King uh, Kong. Right. Yeah, turning around, shaking his fist. <laughs> Eventually, he's hit too many times and falls over from the, and falls from the tower into the pool, dead. And I love it because Magenta looks at Riff Raff and goes, I thought you liked them. They liked you. And suddenly Riff Raff loses his shit, screaming and crying, going, they didn't like me. They never liked me. I'm like, all right, calm down, Cupcake. Like, what the... <laughs> like, he just loses his shit. Then Dr. Scott tells him he did the right thing. And Riff Raff tells him that he should leave while he still can before they beam the entire house to the planet of Transsexual and the galaxy of Transylvania. Brad, Janet, and Dr. Scott quickly make their leave, and then the castle blasts off like a rocket ship? 
<laughs> I was like, wait, wait. I thought you were going to beam it back. <laughs> they, they, they have a different understanding of the word beam. <laughs> it just goes like, it, it, the whole thing just disappears. It reminded me of that scene in The Simpsons where, and then Poochie went back to his home planet. <laughs> and it's like, doot, 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 doot. <laughs> But we cut to the narrator saying, and crawling on the planet's face, some insects called the human race. Lost in time, lost in space, and meaning. He turns off the lights, exits the room, credits, the end. Final thoughts. <laughs> I love, I, I love, love, love this. And I can hear, I can hear the music playing as he, as he turns it off. Yep. <laughs> for the science fiction double feature reprise. Oh, I love, you know who does a great cover of that is me first in the Gimme Gimme's. They really do. I fucking mm-hmm. love their cover of that song so much. Actually, uh, the Swingin' Utters do a really great cover of Eddie as Eddie's well. Eddie's Teddy. Yep. Yep. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I I absolutely adore this film. Like I said at the top, this is my favorite <laughs> soundtrack to a movie. It's just so much fun. Like, it's, it's just a fun film. Like, realistically, yep. that's, it's just. What more can you ask out of a movie? Yeah, I, I'm entertained from start to finish with this. I'm entertained by you guys. I was so excited to like record this one, and I feel like I feel like a hot garbage. I was almost said hot garbage plate, but those are actually delicious. <laughs> I was gonna say that's good. That's good eats. <laughs> I feel like hot garbage today, so I'm not super enthusiastic. <laughs> it makes me sad. <laughs> uh, I feel you. I, this weather has screwed me all up. I, I think I had some kind of like sinus issue, and now it's I'm fighting off some kind of cold. Yeah, so. I took I, I took the Rona test today, and it's negative. So yeah, I also feel like hot garbage today because I did something and tweaked out my back yesterday. Oh, because we're all old. Yay! <laughs> Your body's extended warranty is up, Josh. Yeah, and six months early. I'm a little upset at that. I was going to say, you haven't quite hit 40 yet. Like, you, you just <laughs> have a good couple of miles on you. <laughs> I'm taking um, it back to the store. It's because he lives, <laughs> it's because he traveled so far from his home village. That's true. You put a lot of mileage on. <laughs> yep. They avoided the warranty before the expiration date. <laughs> 40 years or 40, 400,000 miles. <laughs> and th- that trip definitely, we, I think we both uh, expired a little bit on that trip. <laughs> I think we did too. Ow. Oh my God. I love God. that song. <laughs> so do we. <laughs> we, were, we have a video of us driving in the U-Haul. <laughs> uh, singing along. <laughs> Be yeah, my victim, won't you be my victim? <laughs> you know what's funny about that is that, like, every time somebody listened to that episode, I would get a text. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can never unhear that now. <laughs> so, the show that I told you I'm watching on Shudder, the 101 Scariest Movie Moments, mm. Tony Todd is part of that show. Mm. And even. Like, obviously, when they showed the scene from, like, showed clips from Candyman, it was going through my head. But now, every time Tony Todd chimes in, that's all I hear in my head. <laughs> Won't you be my victim? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There Now, for this, there is a, a, a metric ton of trivia. So I didn't, I didn't write down a lot. If you want to see 
all the trivia, definitely go over to IMDb. They have like two pages worth of it. Um, but a couple things. This is the theatrical movie debut of, of Tim Curry, which I didn't know. Like, I guess he was in some TV stuff and some stage show stuff, but this was his first theatrical release. Did you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally going to play Rocky? I, I did. I heard that. I heard Stallone was supposed to play Janet. Stallone was going to play Janet, and um, the actress that played Mona was going to be Frankenfurter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you picture Stallone singing Touch a Touch a Touch Me? <laughs> that well, I want to be dirty. Like I, somebody, I, somebody I needs to make that happen. <laughs> will me, chill me, fulfill me, creature of the night. <laughs> oh, Brian, how could you do that to me? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> but uh, according to Meatloaf, uh, Elvis Presley was supposed to be the first choice to play Eddie. But apparent and apparently Elvis actually expressed some interest in the role. Mm. I highly doubt it, but yeah, that's... he was he was he, he was busy taking drugs and eating cheeseburgers on his toilet. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he would have kind of looked the part at the time. So that that's... is true. But um, yeah, there was uh, oh the, the, here it is. Yeah, Tim Curry had said that. Uh, he the the accent that he affects while playing Dr. Frankenfurter, he started off as a German accent, but then he heard a woman on a bus speaking in a highly exaggerated English accent that reminded him of Queen Elizabeth. He later combined <laughs> elements of his mother's telephone voice with Queen Elizabeth to, to make the Frankenfurter voice. <laughs> I love it. I was like, that's really funny. Also, he, he provided his own costume. That's cool. I didn't know that. That's that is awesome. super cool. Wait, is that shenanigans? No, no. He provided his own costume, uh, which uh, is the same costume that he also provided when he originated the role on stage. Nice. That's awesome. He uh, he goes on to say in this other thing, he, he said that um, he kind of had some bad memories of the, the film due to overzealous fans. And he said in an interview that he grew chubby and plain trying to escape the days of Frank. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's he's gone on to say that he still does love the role and and, and was is very happy that he was a part of it. Um, and then this one I just found funny because we always find these things out about like how horrific it was to make a film. Uh, they were uh, all of the cast were talking about how cold it was when they were filming. And, you know, the, most of them are wearing nothing and they're filming in a castle. Mm -hmm. Um, so they had a room that was, that was dubbed the warm room filled with space heaters that the cast members took turns warming up in until the room caught fire. <laughs> All so, right. That's always fun. <clears throat> but, uh, and yeah. You, and now these days you can actually, uh, I don't remember exactly where it is, but in the UK, uh, the hotel that was used as the castle Mm -hmm. Or the castle that was used as the castle is now a hotel, and you can stay at it. That's, That's cool. pretty awesome. Uh, this now, it's funny. I never knew this. Like, I was literally uh, this many years old when we did this episode that I found this out. But uh, in the scene where they're all, like, congratulating Frankenfurter for Rocky, when Magenta says a triumph of your will... This is apparently a subtle joke playing on the Nazi propaganda movie, The Triumph of Will, 
Um, and when you look at Rocky and consider he's a muscular, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Superman, it's like, oh, shit, that's kind of fucked up. Hmm. So I never knew that. I didn't know that either. But yeah. interesting. So like I said, there, there's a ton of trivia. <clears throat> so if you guys are so inclined, definitely go check it out. But uh, anyone have any final thoughts on this before we wrap it up? I wish that I could have seen Giles from Buffy as Frank Inverter. Oh, I know. I yeah. watched it online and I, I fucking love that dude. Like he's he's one of my favorite people. <laughs> you know, yeah. I did for I, I did forget to mention a very uh, some very important cast members of the, the 2001 Broadway revival mm-hmm. uh, because the most amazing two two of the most amazing cast members were easily uh, Leah Delaria. Okay. Who, if if you're not familiar with her, uh, she is a self-proclaimed like very large, angry-looking Boldike comedian. Okay. <laughs> uh, and she played both Eddie and Doctor Scott. That's nice. awesome. And it was amazing. And the role of uh, Riff Raff was Raul Esparza. I'm not sure. Who and that let is. me let me tell you. Um, I don't know if you watch any current Law and Order. No. Oh, you know, you know who he was. He was, um, uh, he was uh, Chilton in Hannibal. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, he was Riff Raff, and holy shit, he stole the show. <laughs> like he owned that part. Like it was him in like a mesh tank top with a giant fro and a glittery long overcoat that's awesome yeah yeah it was every everything about the broadway revival was ev- anything you could have wanted from it because like they tried to involve the audience the transylvanians came out into the audience to get you to get up and do the time warp um the chandelier in the middle of the theater lowered mm-hmm. down onto the stage with frank on it for the elevator oh, nice that's cool like it, it was, it, it's interesting because it really, the movie, the stage show and seeing the movie in the theater are three entirely different experiences of the same material. I believe it. <clears throat> Can you guys hear like an echo? Am I sounding echoey? Yeah, I was going to say I was getting an echo as well. Because I can hear, like, after I finish talking, I still hear, like, the last word I said. I don't know what's going on. I I just started hearing it a couple minutes ago. I, I heard it a few times throughout the recording, but I wasn't sure what was going on. You're like, in the castle. <laughs> Maybe. I was like, meh, well, I, hopefully it'll be easy to edit out. But, uh... <clears throat> Anywho, we should uh, we should probably wrap this one up. So if you guys aren't following us on social media, we're the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. And Maurice handles our Twitter. What is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's the. Thank you very much. We also have a Patreon, which is $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as an exclusive episode every month. Um, that will be getting paused shortly because we will be taking a hiatus in November. Uh, we will be back in December with Christmas Horror. But uh, so the Patreon will be paused briefly um, and then it'll resume when when we come back. But uh, we are also part of the Rad Pantheon Network. So if you guys like this podcast, check out RadPantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for other podcasts similar to this, as well as a bunch of awesome artists and musicians doing awesome things. 
Uh, Josh is part of the Rad Pantheon, so I'd like to throw it over to you for any plugs you'd like to give. I will give a plug to both Pickman's Vinyls, which is uh, something that Mike and I have been diligently working on for many, many years now, which will be uh, going active again relatively soon. Uh, I'm going to say mid-November. But also, while you're at Rad Pantheon, make sure to check out another little podcast that Mike and I do with another Mike called Count Creepyhead's Saturday Morning Monster Mash, where three grown man-children talk about toys, horror, and all things weird. Indeed. And this uh, this most recent episode is no exception. Oh my god, <laughs> oh, I, can't, no. I can't wait till tomorrow when I can listen to it. <laughs> all, I... Although to... I love listening to that podcast. I, I'm being 100% real. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Although, no no full spoilers, one of one of the points of the pod, uh, one of the running jokes of the podcast that drops tomorrow, uh, may be a moot point by the time the podcast drops. This is true. <laughs> so, uh, it, it is very uh, Masters of the Universe centric, we'll just say. Okay. So, if I you're, can dig it. If you're, if you're a fan of Masters of the Universe and uh, old school play sets. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? You say at the beginning of the episode anyway. So spoilers ahead. We talk a lot about the fact that there is a crowdfunding campaign for the new Masters of the Universe Eternia playset, And one of the stretch goals is this weird little moat creature that the fandom has latched onto and made the Motu version of Baby Yoda. Oh, boy. (laughs) Who is now now essentially named Modi the Moat Monster. Uh, And there's a big fan campaign to save Modi and get the the crowdfunding to 8,000 backers. But uh, it's only like 800 away, so... And, and and Mike gives him a voice uh, that is quite hilarious, so... Any any of the voices that Mike does... Sometimes I can't tell if it's Mike or Josh. <laughs> it's, yes. It's almost never me because <laughs> I don't do <laughs> voice. But let me let me tell you, your new favorite recording artist after tomorrow will probably be Skeletor McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> Is he going to ruin my goddamn day? <laughs> <laughs> he very well might. <laughs> it's that goddamn Sarah McLaughlin song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, only instead of sad puppies and kittens, it's a moat monster. So Okay, well, you know. <laughs> but uh, for anyone that likes to watch uh, the movie before we cover it, our next episode before we go on hiatus will be our Halloween special. Mm. Uh, going to be the classic Universal Frankenstein. So we'll finally be getting to that. And uh, it's we- on Peacock. Yep. We, I mean, come on. We couldn't have Frankenstein Month without covering Frankenstein. Had to happen. 1931 James Bale classic starring the great Boris Karloff. Oh, love it. And much like all the other Universal Monster movies, it's really short. I mean, you only got hour and ten minutes, so there's no reason why you can't watch it. It's like an extended, it's like a very special episode of your favorite TV story. Your stories. Exactly. It's if you had time to listen to this podcast, you definitely could have watched Frankenstein and then some. So if you watch the Stranger Things finale, you can watch Frankenstein. You could watch and Frankenstein almost three times. <laughs> you could watch Frankenstein, then the bride, then you can watch 
Dracula, or you know, you, you want to keep it in the theme. So you watch the Frankenstein, then you watch the Bride of the Frankenstein, then you watch the Son of the Frankenstein. I'll see. I was going to go to Frankenhooker. <laughs> and then you watch some Mel Brooks movies to keep things Jewish. Exactly. <laughs> it's Dude. the Stein thing. Today is the first time, and granted, I haven't watched Brain Damage in a really long time. But Zorro is in that movie. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, is that? Is that? And it is. And it looks like his his lines are dubbed in that movie, too. That's <laughs> because he couldn't do anything. He was just a big muscle-bound guy. With a bare ass in a shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what more do you need? But exactly. <laughs> with that, I think we're going to wrap it up here. So, as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. Congratulations. <laughs>Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at the Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Thank you.